Hello, my rebels. Jason Kenny broke his promise. He's bringing in a vaccine passport for Alberta. I see that today Saskatchewan has done the same thing. Alberta's is the worst I've seen anywhere in North America. It actually bans completely healthy people who simply are not vaccinated from meeting anywhere, including in private, including in homes. You probably think I'm exaggerating. I'll play you the clip of Tyler Shandro, the disgraced health minister, saying that himself. I'd like to invite you to learn more about our various ways of fighting back. Go to fightvaccinepassports.com to learn how we're engaging in strategic, strategic litigation to stop this. And later in the show, I tell you about a project called wewontask.com, which gives shopkeepers beautiful stickers to put on their doors so that they will let the world know they will not be secret police. They will not be snitches. They will not ask you your private details in that store. I think it's a great initiative. And those stickers are free, by the way. All right. That's a little pitch for me, but enough for me. Enjoy a podcast. I guess it's still more of me, but here you go. Tonight, Alberta brings in the worst vaccine passport in Canada. It's September 16th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I want to talk to you about Alberta, but first I want to show you this clip from Australia. A man arrested in a cemetery visiting his family graves by himself with a mask on. And then the guy who films it, he's harassed, harassed by police. Take a look. He's been fed income. He's looking him up for visiting a loved one. He's been fed income. I'm here for visiting my loved ones, but... Are you being fed income? You're locking him up for visiting the loved ones. Isn't this Australia? I don't even in the middle east. What's your name? 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 My name is Sergeant Clean from Auburn Police. What's my name? What are we doing? What's your name? Mohammed. What's your name? What's your ID with you? Yeah. Keep your ID, please. Keep your ID. I've always said, if you want to see the future, you can look to Australia for a time machine to see how our civil liberties, always taken for granted in our constitutional monarchy, our, our lucky part of the Commonwealth with our rule of law, look to Australia for a time machine to see our near future in terms of policing and police violence in the name of public health, and look to Israel for the future of an over-medicated, over-vaccinated country that keeps doubling down on stupid. They're now on their fourth shot, two shots, and now two boosters, and they've never had it worse. They're super-vaxxed, but they have more infections than any of their immediate neighbors who are almost completely unvaxxed. And I saw this weird news today in nowhere less than the New York Times. Researchers in Israel reported that a third dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine can enhance protection in adults older than 60 for at least 12 days? A result that is unsurprising, experts said, and does not include long-term benefit. 
So you get a vaccine booster shot and it works for, for 12 days? Not even two weeks? Hey, no problem. You only need 25 boosters a year, guys. I know why Pfizer would like that. I, I'm not sure if that's normally how we do medicine or really buy anything that's uh, that obsolete that doesn't work too well. But Trudeau says that that will be our future. I don't know if you remember, but he already bought more than 400 million doses, according to the CDC. That's uh, about 10 shots per man, woman, child, and baby in Canada. Here's another CBC story. Uh, now it's about 11,000. What happened? Israel has the highest seven-day rolling average of new daily coronavirus cases per million people. The CBC stories has called cognitive dissonance, isn't it? So blend them both together, Australia and Israel, and that's where we're headed. If we don't change our direction. For the first part of the pandemic, Alberta was amongst the freest places in Canada, but then they became the most brutal, a full pendulum swing. That was the only place in North America, the only place in the free world that I know of, where Christian pastors were arrested just for opening their church doors. And not just one or two. There was a whole series of them. I think there were five pastors in the end who were arrested. And this week, the Alberta government was still at it. I don't know if you followed Sheila's reports, but the Alberta government was back in course demanding that Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky go back to prison for 21 more days because he wouldn't apologize to the government. If you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I read the government's legal documents. That's what the government prosecutor said in court. They want him to say sorry or to go to jail for not saying sorry. I'm not making that up. But Jason Kenney, after prosecuting pastors and small businesses, suddenly saw the polls or heard from voters or his backbench or whatever. And so as quickly as he brought in the brutal lockdown um, over Christmas, he lifted it and said he was going to be the best summer ever. That was some weird government tagline, as if governments make decisions for you about what's going to be great or not, or if you're going to be happy or not. But I guess Kenny meant he wanted to take a vacation himself, and he knew he couldn't do so well locking the rest of the province down. He tried that before, over Christmas actually, locked the whole province down. Then he and his cronies, his own chief of staff, went to the UK. A lot of his MLAs went to Hawaii or Vegas. It blew up in his face because it proved he was just a cheater. Well, summer's over, and so is freedom. It's just nuts. Last night at 6 p.m., local time, Kenny and his team just declared a total lockdown of the province. They went from free to lockdown just like that. And the only way out is a vaccine passport. Now, he didn't have the courage or the honesty to call it a vaccine passport, so he called it a restriction exemption program, or REP. What a crock. More like RIP for Alberta's freedoms. But look at that. The default is that you're not free. The default is that you're under house arrest, that you're banned from things. You have to then get the government's permission to get out. Here, listen a little bit. That is why the government has uh, reluctantly decided to adopt the restriction exemption program, a proof of vaccination program for participation in certain discretionary activities that have a higher risk of viral transmission. No one will be compelled to get vaccinated against their wishes and a negative test option will be offered as an alternative. But with unvaccinated patients overwhelming our hospitals, this is now the only responsible choice that we have. I had earlier committed not to introduce proof of vaccination because of concerns I had around privacy rights. But the government's first obligation must be to avoid large numbers of preventable deaths.
The lockdown rules are so intricate and so bizarre with no science behind it, no police, no business person, no one will understand these rules. They're so complicated. Everything that didn't work before will be tried again, but worse. And all of it, Kenny swore he simply would never do. Here's Kenny answering a question about a month ago from our own Adam Seuss. What's your position on vaccine passports for those individuals unwilling to be vaccinated? Opposed. And we've been very clear from the beginning that we will not facilitate or accept vaccine passports and that, in fact, we regard, I, I believe that they would, in principle, contravene the uh, Health Information Act and also possibly the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. We also amended the Public Health Act to remove the 110-year-old power allowing Alberta to force people to be inoculated. So these folks who are concerned about mandatory vaccines have nothing to be concerned about and there will be no vaccine passports in Alberta. And will the provincial government act on behalf of Alberta citizens if the federal government seeks to impose such restrictions? Yes. Adam Sos asked that question and here is Kenny saying and to another reporter, that he didn't even know what a vaccine passport was. Can you believe him? But um, in any event, it was against privacy laws, said Kenny. Here he is answering another report. Uh, we have no capacity to, to, I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. All I know is this, that it's illegal based on the Privacy Act to ask somebody whether they've received a certain medical procedure or not, including uh, a vaccine. So uh, the government of Alberta, at least, will not be participating in anything like that. Of course, we got the truth from Doug Ford, of all people, who said that he was on a conference call with the other premiers, all of them who were plotting a vaccine passport all along. All the premiers, every premier wanted a, a vaccine passport. And uh, unfortunately, the federal government decided to go to an unnecessary election, which I, I'm still shaking my head over, in the middle of a fourth wave. Now, I'm not going to go through it all, but I want to show you one moment from their grave announcement last night, just, just around 10 seconds, listen to Tyler Shandro, the disgraced health minister caught partying in the Sky Palace. Listen to what he's going to do now. For unvaccinated people who are 12 and older, they will not be permitted to attend any private indoor social gatherings. Hang on, so, so you're seriously going to tell people they cannot gather in private in, in their homes if they're not vaccinated? So they're healthy, they're perfectly healthy. But they can't meet in private homes. You're going to go to a private home with, with police. There were lots of questions last night about police. So maybe they, like they did with Pastor Arthur, get him on the highway and demand to see people's medical records. And if they don't, they're dirty. And we put dirty people in jail. And even if they're healthy, we'll, we'll get them sick in jail. And if they're clean, though, they're fine. And I got to tell you, Israel's experience tells you that if you don't get your regular booster from Pfizer, you will be deemed unclean again by the government. What was so gross about last night is that the Alberta UCP, that's the United Conservative Party, are now talking like Trudeau talks. It's called gaslighting, trying to tell people to believe the opposite of what they see, believe the opposite of the truth, and not to believe your own lying eyes. You're the crazy one. Here's what I mean. Here's Trudeau calling for people to love each other and be kind to each other. And he has this sort of first date voice that he always does. It's so creepy. And then he talks about respect before immediately denouncing his enemies. Remember, this is the Trudeau way. We know that the only way to move forward as a country is to move forward together and to listen to each other and to learn from each other, not to affix labels, not to allow hate to fester in corners of our society. And yes, we are seeing vocal hatred and intolerance rising in some pockets of our communities. 
And the question that all the rest of us have to ask is what do we do? Do we sit back and say, oh, let's leave them space for their anti-vax beliefs, for their misogynistic beliefs, because we don't want to ruffle the boat, rock the boat, or ruffle feathers? Or do we stand up? Do we say, no, not in Canada, not in our Canada. We leave room for everyone and we stand up for each other in Canada. That's what we've done over these past six years. Did you see that? So Trudeau talked about how tolerant he was and how respectful before viciously smearing his opponents. Well, Kenny and his crew did something similar last night. They punished Albertans. They took away Albertans' legacy. They broke their promise. They lied. They blamed Albertans for their own policy failures. And then in the very next breath, they scolded Albertans for not being kind to each other. You Albertans, you should be happy prisoners. Don't be so mad. It was a sick performance, but very much in the Trudeau style. Tell your listeners that, that you're the kind one, unlike the vicious, disrespectful bastards you're running against. What's so nuts is that Alberta's actually doing okay. It's true there are 160, uh, 106 acute care hospitals in Alberta, and in them are 218 people in intensive care with COVID. So that works out to two patients per IC unit on average in the province. And for that, the entire province is being shut down and all medical privacy and personal choice is being flattened. I'm not happy that anyone is sick or dying, but that's life. The average deceased person from COVID in Alberta is 79 years old and more than 95% of them had serious underlying conditions, two, three, four deep health problems pre-existing all at once. And, and on top of that, COVID was enough to, to undo them. That is sad. But can you please tell me how closing a nightclub for people in their 20s or closing a bar or a gym or a coffee shop is going to save a bedridden 90-year-old dementia, heart and kidney patient from getting COVID? I, I want to save that person, by the way. I just don't know how sending police into private homes to check if healthy people are vaxxed and persecuting unvaxxed people. I just don't know how that achieves it. Are there really any 90-year-old people with dementia and heart disease and liver disease hanging out in schools? If not, how is putting masks on children going to help anything? Not that masks do anything, especially with kids dropping them on the floor, sharing them, laughing, spitting in them, getting them to, like masks and kids don't even go together. None of this makes any sense, and I'm tired of trying to find any sense because it's not about sense, it's about control and fear and a breakdown in democracy. I thought Tyler Shandro calling for house-to-house -house punishments for unvaxxed people was the closest thing I've ever heard to Nazi ideology in any Canadian government. And I say that very carefully. Maybe we'll have to hide unvaccinated people in the attic. Maybe one of them will write a diary about it. But of all the people assembled last night for Jason Kenney's announcement, none of the media were upset about this. In fact, they were raging at Kenny, but they were only upset that he didn't do this sooner and harder. I'm serious. One such journalist is an awful person named Tyler Dawson. He's with Trudeau's Post Media Company, and he's the journalist who tried to ban Rebel News from joining the Alberta Press Gallery, which shows you his authoritarian streak, which might explain why his thoughts last night immediately turned to police enforcement of these insane laws especially the household law. Um, just a reminder of what that is. For unvaccinated people who are 12 and older, 
they will not be permitted to attend any private indoor social gatherings. Because Tyler Dawson is thinking like a cop, thinking like a snitch, he's a pretty good prophet for how things could go. You can really see uh, the guys here who would have been cheering for Stalin or Hitler as they tighten their grip on society. We have those people in our society. So this authoritarian, Tyler Dawson, asks some real questions uh, about where this is going. Nothing about health, by the way. You'll see none of these questions are about health. This is not a health measure. This is a control and domination measure. Let me read to you from Tyler Dawson. Okay, a couple of hours later, and I have a couple further questions about the vaccine passport. Businesses had six hours tonight to adjust to new rules for tomorrow. They will then have four or five days of these rules. Then they can run the exemption program. That's four or five days to fire unvaccinated staff, presumably, or acquire rapid testing for them. Then they need to figure out how they will advertise their stance on vaccines. They also need to figure out how to enforce these rules. <laughs> exactly. So, so you have to fire everyone. What, what if it's a family business, by the way? What if you, or I don't know, on the other side of the spectrum, what if you run a hospital and the nurses or doctors or orderlies won't vax? You can, you can fire them all? What if someone says they have a legitimate exemption, which is uh, a thing in law? Is some middle manager somewhere, some shopkeeper, going to now be the court that makes those decisions? They're going to have little courts, little trials. Maybe in the coffee shop, we're going to have a trial. And the employees or the customers have to spill the beans on their most intimate private health details to the court at the little Starbucks or something, little Starbucks court maybe. I can imagine some bullies in society loving this and others being absolutely disgusted by it. Tyler Dawson of Trudeau's Post Media is hostile to Alberta and he is aware that the feeling is mutual. He knows that this will not go down well outside of the lockdown class. The rich doctors and rich politicians and journalists who've been loving the last 18 months. Let me read some more. Which, given the mood, I'd be inclined to hire a security guard to do. I guess my thought is there de-escalation training for staff, support to hire security, training on messaging or government signage to put in windows. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to tell someone to get out of the store. You're going to tell an employee to get out of the store and it's just going to go down smooth. And that's just a businesses. That thug Tyler Shandro, the health minister, was talking about going into people's homes to enforce things. You try that, someone's going to reach for their gun. You go in their house and tell them to break up their family, they're going to reach for a gun. I'll close with Tyler Dawson, the reporter. He says, might be the UCP has got it right. Certainly they've done very close to what critics have been hollering about for weeks. Anywho, I just wonder how you manage a wholesale shift like this in a few days when the mood is very ugly. The mood is very ugly. Was there a single word about health in all that, in his whole rant? No, because it's not about health. Never is, never was. It's about compliance and submission and control and that we all have to bend the knee and bow down to the new priestly class. The mood isn't sour about the disease. Everyone's concerned about it in their own measure. Do you know anyone who's died from the virus? And, and by that, I mean, have you talked to that person in the last five years? Very few of us actually know that. It's not the Black Death of Europe that killed a third of the population. The ugly mood is there. It's against politicians who have no mandate to destroy lives and livelihoods and then to tell the little people to be grateful, not to be angry about it. And you're not protesting happily enough. Let me end with what I'd call Tyler Dawson's diary entry. Dear Diary, 
I can't help but notice the people demanding this didn't seem to devote very much time to making policy implementation suggestions beyond F the anti-vaxxers. <laughs> He's got a little bit of self-awareness, doesn't he? Because that is how the media feels and the politicians feel and the emergency room doctors, and they tell us that. I mean, without the swearing, that was half the front page of the Toronto Star the other day. That's what Trudeau says. He calls more than 10 million unvaxxed Canadians, you people who will face consequences. Everyone needs to get vaccinated, and those people are putting us all at risk. So let me tell you what you already know. We're going to fight this with everything we have. And I see in the news that Saskatchewan has announced uh, the same thing as Alberta. I think fighting this will likely be the thrust of rebel news for weeks and months, and maybe even years to come. Stay with us for more. Well, I'm coming up on half a century, which is uh, a very long time. I should tell you, when I was a young man, uh, one of my first real jobs, jobs was to go to, was Ottawa, to, go to Ottawa, Ottawa and be a legislative be a assistant for Preston Manning, then the leader of the Reform Party. And one of my jobs was to work as a young staffer on the question period, questions that we put to the Liberal government. And I had a boss in Parliament, and his name was Jay Hill, MP. Well... Jay is now the leader of the Maverick Party, and I haven't talked to him in a while, so it's a bit of a reunion. We're not going to talk about old times. We're going to talk about his latest political project, the Maverick Party. We spoke to one of his star candidates, Tariq El Naga, um, the other day. So it's a pleasure now to join Jay Hill via Skype from Calgary. Jay, great to see you again. You haven't aged a day, by the way, since oh, you were my boss about 25 years ago. Nice to see you again. Ezra, you always were so, you know, it just flows, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to say. And I won't, I won't elaborate further on what flows. Yeah, but, uh, it's, great right. to, well, it's great to see you again. Well, likewise. And um, you, you can take a little bit of credit and a little bit of blame for all the things <laughs> I've done since I worked with you on Parliament Hill. No, I'm kidding. Those were great days. And I think you and I both learned a lot about challenging the status quo I think there were some wonderful times in the Reform Party. In the end, I don't know how successful it was, but now you're the leader of the Maverick Party. Tell me what lessons you learned from the Reform Party experience that you're taking to the Maverick Party. Well, Ezra, uh, the first thing is I have to admit that I'm a slow learner. It's taken me most of my life uh, to put together the fact that the West is never going to get a fair shake, a fair deal or whatever you want to call it, out of Confederation, out of Canada, uh, until we determine to change the way in which we're governed and we're treated. And uh, so that's really what motivated the Maverick Party for me to come out of retirement uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, actually, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of Maverick. Uh, we're only running 29 candidates in Western Canada. We'll only ever run in Western Canada, Ezra. Uh, because the lesson I learned from reform was that once we expanded and became a party running all across Canada, then you have to water down your message to try to appeal to where the votes are. And of course, those are in Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, and uh, that corridor from Windsor City to uh, Windsor up to Quebec City. And uh, we don't intend to make that mistake again. We're going to be effectively the Bloc Québécois of Western Canada. 
and represent what is best for the West. You know, I was thinking about that very thing when I watched the debates. And like I say, one of your candidates joined us for a little pre-show conversation because I understand why the Bloc Québécois leader was in the French language debates. And by the way, there were two French language debates, but only one English debate. I didn't understand why the leader of the Bloc Québécois was in that one. I mean, he's an interesting guy, but he wasn't running any candidates outside Quebec. Um, he had nothing but contempt for Alberta and the fossil fuel industry, for example. And I thought if he can be in the English language debate, even though he has no chance of being prime minister, he's not running any candidates outside Quebec, why isn't the Maverick Party allowed in any of the debates, including in the Quebec debates? I mean, it would seem analogous to me. Well, not entirely, I guess. In fairness to um, Monsieur Blanchette, um, there are some Anglophones, I think, still residing in Quebec uh, that would prefer to hear the English debate. Uh, whereas uh, we're only ever going to run in Western Canada, as I said, Ezra. So we're not looking for any votes in Quebec. Yeah. I, I, I suppose I was speaking more symbolically than anything, but it, it was quite symbolic to me to hear the French language debate all the parties uh, wooing Quebec at the expense of Alberta, like at least a quarter of that debate was just bashing Alberta. All the parties, I yeah. must say, in different degrees, talking about wrapping up the oil sands. I just thought it was symbolically, it would be the same as if Maverick were in, in, the, in those debates. Now, let me ask you, I'm a little bit curious about the fact, we talked about this for a minute before we turned the camera on. I was surprised that you yourself weren't running because I, I've gone through your list of candidates. Some, there's some interesting people from different walks of life, but none of them really have national name recognition. They're not high profile people. At least they didn't ring a bell for me. Whereas you have a long career in politics. How come you yourself are not running? Well, as, as I've been saying to people, I served 17 years uh, in Parliament. As you know, uh, you and I met uh, in when I was a very young and uh, still dark-haired uh, member of Parliament, and you were considerably younger as well. Uh, but uh, I served 17 years, and, and I guess I just tell people I served my time. Uh, I was relatively happily retired until I started to worry about my three young grandchildren here in Calgary and what the future held for them with the way this country is being destroyed by the old political parties. And um, I'm increasingly concerned. That's why I came out of retirement to start this party. Having said that, myself and the three other former reform colleagues that have also stepped out of retirement uh, none of us are running. Uh, you'll recognize the name, uh, names, Val Meredith, um, Leon Benoit, and Alan Kirpin are the other three. Uh, between us, we have 60 plus years of parliamentary experience, and we're all working to mentor this new group of members of um, uh, candidates that we hope to be members of parliament under the Maverick banner. And uh, that's our role, is to establish credibility for the movement and the party, and uh, to build the party and mentor the next generation of Mavericks. I absolutely do remember those names. I mean, they were in Parliament when I was a young pup helping, so it's, <laughs> uh, it's good to hear. I didn't know they were involved. Thank you for that information. Let me ask you about uh, the fella that uh, both you and I followed to Ottawa back um, in the 90s, namely Preston Manning. He's retired too. For a while, he ran the Manning Center. Do you still keep in touch with him? Has he given you any words of advice from his experience building the Reform Party? 
Well, absolutely. I still keep in touch with Preston. I consider him a good friend, and I hope that's reciprocal. Um, uh, of course, he lives not far from me here in Calgary. And um, he has taken a far different approach, as you know, Ezra, all of his political life. He believes in Canada. He believes in trying to make it work. Uh, so where we part company is, I believe, very strongly uh, that until the West is prepared to at least mutter the word independence, we're never going to get a fair deal. And that's where I part company not only with Preston, but with people like Jason Kenney, uh, that somehow believe that if you just continue to wrap yourself in the Maple Leaf flag and uh, expect to be treated better or equally or fairly, uh, that somehow it'll happen. I've come to the sad realization it's not going to, and that's why I'm advocating taking a page from Quebec's playbook and moving us to achieve this similar autonomy that Quebec has carved out for itself over the last several decades. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of uh, former colleagues, I, I think there was overlap between you and Maxime Bernier. I can't remember. Um, there was, yes. There was. So he, um, you know, he went rogue, some would say. And when he started the People's Party, I think there was a lot of skepticism because starting a party from scratch is just such enormous work, as you know. But the yeah. latest polls I've seen in this election show that he has some momentum, whether it's 6% or 11%. Those are all respectable numbers. And I just looking at his social media, he seems to be drawing crowds. Now, I don't know if he's going to actually punch through anywhere, but he's certainly having fun, it looks like. Um, what are the differences, would you say, other than the Western focus? Um, are there other differences between you and the People's Party? Because they certainly seem to be on a roll in their own way. How would you distinguish your candidates from their candidates? Well, I think it, you hit on it, Ezra. The single biggest, biggest difference is that our uh, core foundation for Maverick is that we would be a truly representative Western voice, what's best for the West. Uh, you know, the Bloc Québécois, all those years, and you were there as well as I, uh, they've been there 30 years now, I believe. And their strategy in the House of Commons is very simple. If legislation or motion before the House is in, deemed to be in the best interests of Quebec, they speak in favor of it and they vote for it. And if it isn't, they don't. And I have thought for quite some time how refreshing that would be to have some, uh, in this case, Maverick members of Parliament that would have the freedom to do the same. And that's why we put the word freedom into our logo right into our name you can see it right above my head behind me mm -hmm. uh, because we believe that freedom is such an important word when it comes to uh, addressing the needs the aspirations and building the future destiny for western canadians and uh, so we have a plan to accomplish that and we have this twin track mission statement we've developed uh, where we can either develop the autonomy, the fairness, and respect that the West deserves within Confederation, or failing that, we can lay the foundation for future independence. We're talking with Jay Hill, the leader of the Maverick Party, formerly Wexit. You emerged from the Wexit movement, am I right? Well, what happened, Ezra, is that when we cast about just a, a little over a year ago to start this federal political party, Wexit Canada offered to turn that, their party over to us, and uh, that's what, what happened. 
Uh, it had already accumulated the necessary signatures and jumped through all the hoops to be eligible for recognition as a federal political party. So instead of starting right from ground zero, uh, we did take over Wexit Canada. But once we had that, we virtually changed everything about it. I think most people recognize that uh, Wexit was singularly focused on Alberta independence. Uh, that's no longer uh, our mission. As I said, we have a twin track mission statement. We've changed the name. We've changed the principles. We've changed virtually everything that existed with Wexit. But we have retained this call for greater independence mm -hmm. for Western Canada. Fair deal. Listen, I got one last question for you. I just finished uh, doing a monologue about the lockdowns and the, the vaccine passport in Alberta. And, and I'm still muddling through it, but there's certain things there that strike me, frankly, as un-Albertan. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm just shocked to hear that there will be restrictions on healthy but unvaccinated people meeting even in private, even just like in, in homes. I, I, I'm trying to get a legal uh, opinion on that. If that really, like that's what was said yesterday. I, I have trouble believing that's actually in here. And I know that one of the things that Bernier has done in his People's Party is he's styled himself as the anti-lockdown candidate. And I, I think that that was very wise. I think he does believe that point of view, but it's also wise because he's he's really takes that whole space up. Does uh, the Maverick Party have a position on lockdowns? And again, I think there was overlap between you and Kenny in Parliament too. Do you have any views on what he's done? Well, of course, as an individual, I do, Ezra. Uh, but I find it slightly hypocritical, if I could say this, that federal political parties and leaders uh, would, like Max, uh, would say on one hand uh, that there should be this clear differentiation between our two levels of government, federal and provincial, and yet they are heavily involved in the case of Max in being critical of what the premiers and provinces are trying to do in addressing this, this pandemic. Uh, so am I concerned and do I have some problem? Of course, of course I do. And I draw, draw people's attention back to the fact that at its core, Maverick believes in freedom. So on this issue, we believe that there should be no government that can force a Canadian citizen, regardless of where they live, uh, to inject something into their body that they don't wish to. And that's the freedom, the freedom of choice. And uh, we, you know, personally, I have no problem if people weigh the pros and cons and decide not to have a, vac a vaccination. Uh, I have chosen to be vaccinated, but that's my personal choice. Mm. And so that's where we come off. But as far as being like Max and, you know, coming out to Alberta repeatedly to attack the provincial government, my view on that is that there are many people and many organizations and indeed even a few media organizations like Rebel News that will hold the provincial governments uh, across the land to account for the decisions that they have made and are making. Uh, that's the rule. Uh, people will protest and that's appropriate in a uh, democratic country uh, that they have the right to protest and let their views be known. And I don't have a problem with that either. But as I said, I think it's hypocritical uh, for someone uh, like myself to say, okay, well, you know, I'm, 
and have been greatly opposed to the imposition of a national carbon tax mm -hmm. by a federal government on the provinces and in particular on Alberta, and, and then turn around and inject myself in be attacking a provincial government, regardless of where it is, for decisions they're making. Mm -hmm. I'm running for federal office, or my party is, my candidates are. Uh, we're not looking to inject ourselves into decisions that are made by premiers or provinces. Fair enough. I understand the constitutional point. Well, Jay Hill, it's great to catch up with you. It's been far too long. I still feel like calling you boss, but I got to uh, resist that, Im that urge. I'm joking around. It's great to see you again. Uh, good luck to your candidates. It was a pleasure meeting uh, Tarek El Naga on the show the other day, and uh, good luck on election night. Thank you very much, Ezra, and thanks for having me on your show. Right on. My pleasure. There you have it, Jay Hill. He's the boss of the Maverick Party. And as you can see, the word freedom is right in their logo. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Instead of letters today, I want to just tell you a few things that we're doing around the office. Uh, we had a great event in Regina the other day. I tried to film a show on location. Um, we had 1,500 people buy tickets, and not all of them showed up in the end because we had to postpone several times. But there was still at least 1,000 people in the room. And Dr. Patrick Moore gave a great talk. It was just a really wonderful to get out there and meet people again face-to-face. -face. I think a lot of people just enjoyed being at a large event, at a large theater again. I know I sure did. I don't know how, if that's, I think we just missed the, the uh, lifting of the drawbridge in Regina. I understand that Saskatchewan's bringing in harsh lockdown rules too. Um, we have another event for those in the greater Toronto area on September 21st, so the day after the federal election and the day before Ontario brings in its vaccine passports. In that one day window on September 21st, we're having a special event um, at the Canada Christian College, which is about 25 minutes east of Toronto, uh, with Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host. Now, he's not coming in in person, but he's doing a live big screen Zoom chat. So me and Dr. Charles McVitie of the university will be having a Q&A with Tucker. And it'll be all about civil liberties and lockdowns and censorship. So last I checked, we had sold about 40% of our tickets in the first day. But if you're in the greater Toronto area, just go to rebelnews.com slash events. And um, I think we're going to sell out. I'm going to see if there's a way where we can let people outside the greater Toronto area participate by watching on Zoom. We have to check and get permission with Tucker because he's very uh, conscious about what recordings are made of his of his events and there's a lot of rules i don't want to get offside with him because i'd like to do other events with him too so um this throws into doubt different rebel events we were planning for the fall because there's simply no way we're going to comply with the snitch and secret police role that jason kenny and other premiers are asking us to do we're just not going to do it um we are going to fight back in other ways i just want to show you this thing i don't know if I don't think I've told you about it before, but we have a new program called WeWon'tAsk.com. And it's simply these stickers that are perfect for businesses to put up on their front door. And we have a smaller version that they can put at their cash register. And it just says, we won't ask. And there's two versions. One says, we won't ask about your vaccination status. And one, we won't ask about, and it lists a bunch of things like uh, your race, your religion, disability, things like that. I'm hoping that this will become a grassroots response where thousands of people put these stickers on their businesses and say, I'm not being a secret policeman. I'm not being a snitch. 
if you go to wewonest.com, we'll send it to you for free. And if you want it even faster, we have the high-res version. You can actually print it out yourself for free at home. So you don't even have to wait for us to mail it to you. So I'm hoping that that catches on. And I should tell you, and I, I uh, hope to have our first reports out tomorrow, we have filed our first lawsuit against vaccine passports. We filed it in British Columbia. And I believe that uh, Drea Humphrey will have the report on that. I, we're still catching up. We've been doing so much work. I should also tell you that we've taken a case of an Air Canada employee. And I hope to actually, in the end, represent dozens or even hundreds of Air Canada flight attendants, pilots, gate agents, other people who are being told, take the vax or be fired. So we're scrambling. I think I told you before that our goal is to hire in-house 10 full-time lawyers to do nothing but fight this insane uh, constriction of our freedom of all our civil liberties. I just keep coming to that clip I showed you three times earlier today of Tyler Shandro, the so-called health minister, the one caught in the Sky Palace having a boozy party. Party for him, but everyone else has to be in lockdown. When he actually said you may not gather in private, even if you're completely healthy, even if you had the virus and recovered so you have natural immunity, you may not gather in private. And they had a lot of talk last night about police enforcement. That is what a police state authoritarian sounds like. And we will do everything we can to stop that journalistically, legally, and I think maybe politically too. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.